Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything. Prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. Speaking openly about my experience of grief and helping to support others to do the same serve as regular reminders that we are not alone. When we allow all the parts of us to have an expression of life, including and especially the painful ones, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of the Healing Path Podcast. Today, I'm chatting about resilience, and I'm also chatting about a term that I hadn't heard until recently And that term is called super survivor. So here's resilience and super survivors. A while back, a friend of mine took the local state bar exam. He studied hard and felt confident. He missed passing it for the first time by a few measly points. The bar exam is only offered twice a year. They sit in February and July, and the results require about three months to be published. Engaging in this process is not a small feat, and many who do not pass the first time don't go on to passing on a future effort, although some do, like this friend of mine. But I've seen people get so frustrated at the failed status of their bar exam attempt that they take all kinds of strategies and apply them. Essentially, once you finish law school, you're in this pool of graduates who are not yet barred. It's a holding pattern that you can really get stuck in because the exam itself can be brutal and the process is further complicated by limited access to another crack at the exam. You have to wait three months to see if you passed, and then you have just three months before the next one. I knew someone who took the exam multiple times, a friend of mine. She kept freaking herself out at the exam time. Even though she took prep courses and studied incessantly, trying to pass the the exam became the bane of her existence. And after multiple failed attempts over a period of years, having invested a ton of money, time, and sweat equity, into accomplishing this goal, she ultimately walked away from the law altogether. Fortunately, this was not the case with my friend who missed his first attempt by a few points. He was frustrated, no doubt. Shocked, maybe even. 
But this frustration was the fuel for his conviction. He spent time analyzing where he fell short on the first exam. He then sought targeted prep courses, addressing the major area that seemed to be a challenge for him. And as it turns out, it was more of a formatting issue than a recall one. So tweaking his style of responding to questions earned him a solid pass on his second attempt. I share this story because in this example, the soon-to-be attorney at law that I described, he chose resilience over frustration. As we look at effective management of all types of situations, whether in the workplace, home, or even in the realm of personal goals like running a marathon, we repeatedly see and hear the word resilience. Turns out, it's pretty important when it comes to perseverance. When we witness a person facing a difficult situation head-on, when we see them do what it takes to renew their life's energy after tragedy, and when someone appears unwavering as they navigate a crisis, we call this resilience. Defined by the New England American Dictionary, resilience is, quote, the capacity to withstand or to recover from difficulties, and, unquote, and also, quote, the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, unquote. We understand resilience to be a quality worth pursuing, and we know it's a positive trait, but we rarely take a look at the specific attributes associated with resilience. And to take this a step further, few of us have spent time delving in to what it means to exude this quality repeatedly and consistently over the course of many disappointments and disasters even. When individuals take resilience to this heightened level, we call them super survivors. In their book, Resilience, this is linked in the post, authors Stephen Southwick and Dennis Charlie break down the science of mastering life's challenges in a way that helps us to note the consistencies among people who seem to make lemonade out of lemons again and again and again. Before diving into the specifics, I am thrilled to make a special introduction to a colleague and friend of mine who actually introduced me to this book, Resilience, and to the concept of super survivors. Chris Dale, also linked in the post, is a financial planner who also hosts an amazing podcast called Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris. Chris dedicates himself 110% to everything he does. And I'm so grateful to have been interviewed on his show twice in the last two years. Here are the links to those episodes of Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris, found anywhere you access your podcasts. And in the post, there are two links, one from August of 2022 and one from this past August 2023, where you can hear uh, portions of our conversations, Chris and my conversations together. Um, The one from 2022 is a little bit more of just my personal background and kind of how I came to um, be in the healing space. And then the second one and more recent is about this super survivor concept, which we're going to talk more about. 
So it turns out that there are four levers that are generally pulled by people who consistently recover from tragedy and challenges that arise over the course of a lifetime. These four actions work in concert to distinguish the term the determination of super survivor from basic resilience. Now, they're similar and both are fundamental in pivoting when life surprises send us reeling. But there are four specific levers that are pulled by super survivors, and here they are. Number one, choose life. Number two, reach out. Number three, get moving. And number four, give back. Real Talk with Life After Grief Chris podcast is comprised of a fully dedicated season talking with different super survivors and the ways in which individuals partake in pulling these levers. The show provides a diverse discussion of the many ways we can engage in these four distinguishing activities. And that brings us to the point of today's post. We don't need to establish full command of these four actions in order to benefit from them. In large ways, and also in small ways, we can move from resilient to super survivor by getting creative in our approach to incorporating these four behaviors into our daily lives. For example, number one, choosing life may simply mean going out into the world with an open heart instead of lugging our plaguing narratives around with us. Number two, reaching out. That could be just checking in with someone you haven't heard from in a while or making eye contact with a stranger, followed by a bright smile. Getting moving, number three, could be taking on a new interest like meditation or yoga, or it could mean changing a routine, a relationship, or a job even. It could even be as simple as making a decision not to spend time in toxic situations or with people who dampen your spirit. And four, giving back is definitely the most fun. And there are countless ways to do this. For example, if we've survived loss, it might be powerful to help others who are new to the experience, either in a group support setting or even digitally. Or, alternatively, we could just hold the door for a stranger that's giving back. We could make a food bank donation or perform any act of kindness, even if it's unrelated to grief. And in the post, I've linked a um, former post that's called The Wallet, Parts 1 and 2, that I shared a few years ago, um, and it's about surprising a grieving shopper with a new accessory. So these changes are small and incremental, and we can make them in the direction of becoming super survivors without championing all of them. We don't have to be professionals. But if we can do this consistently, no matter how insignificant we may feel our contributions are, we begin to change the very fabric of our lives. By building on our own resilience and getting intentional, about engaging and pulling these super survivor levels, levers, before we know it, we ourselves are managing better than we could have imagined. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Does the pain of loss abate as we evolve into super survivors? 
Not really. (laughs) But life can become more manageable and balanced. Instead of fretting over our losses, we're looking for ways to engage in the life force that we're still part of. Focusing on opportunities to serve others is fundamental to our own healing, even if its benefits are slow and subtle. If you've endured loss of some kind, we can't change that. Just like I can't get back two of my infant children who died, two of my friends who took their own lives, or many of the friends and family members who have died by accident, illness, murder, or just plain natural causes. We cannot breathe life back into our lost loved ones. But we can use what we know to build ourselves up and become stronger in the face of anguish and despair. Making one small decision to move forward, followed by another and another, can create the momentum we need to see what this life still has in store for us and what we're capable of doing with the sadness that has permeated our very core. As we practice making little choices in support of survival, we tell the universe that we are still here. And sometimes, even we start to believe it. So thanks again for joining this episode of The Healing Path. And I sure hope you'll take advantage of this Super Survivor series that's on Chris Dale's podcast. There's links to that in the post. Um, there's also a link to Chris himself on LinkedIn if you want to connect with him for whatever reason. He's a great resource and has a lot going on both in the field of financial planning and also just in the grief space and how that can relate to our financial challenges. So big plug for him. And also, it gives you, if you listen to either of the episodes that I linked, it definitely gives you that opportunity to hear more about my own journey. Um, There's some really specific accounts of things that have happened and that I have myself survived. So um, I encourage you to check those out. But really looking at resilience and being a super survivor, there's three points I want to drive um, home here at the end, which are the following. The first is when we're talking about resilience, we're talking about super survivors. um, It really doesn't matter. I want to just highlight this. It really doesn't matter what we're calling it, right? Super survivors is just a term that has been identified as, you know, people who show these four specific actions on a regular basis and pursue them. But at the end of the day, what we're really talking about is bouncing back into shape, as the definition said early on. So what we're going for, and I would argue not bouncing back into the shape we were, but bouncing into a shape we can live with after we've, you know, encountered some kind of loss or tragedy or crisis. Um, We don't care if we're resilient or if we're super survivors. What matters is that we're looking for ways to continue to engage with the world because when someone we love dies, we are still here. We may not want to be, and I get that. I have a long history of grieving um, my children who have died and um, friends and family members and, you know, even strangers and tragedies that don't affect me directly, but certainly I take note of them. And in the aftermath of pain, 
making any effort to engage with life is what we're going for. So depending on the timing and whatever your sort of situation was before something or someone was taken from you, priceless was taken from you, it may make sense to start with actions that are a little less aggressive at first until everything becomes a little bit more comfortable, particularly as you get acclimated to looking for ways to step in or to um, connect or be generous. And I did mention that I had linked a post um, called The Wallet, <laughs> parts one and two. Um, definitely worth a read. Boy, did I enjoy that. That that um, post describes something that really brought me a lot of healing in a, in a very indirect way. But that's not where you're going to want to start <laughs> with this. So baby steps, incremental changes, it doesn't matter if we're calling it resilience or super survivors. What we want to do, again, is get really good at trying to recover and using these four actions that we've outlined to get there. So the second point that I'd like to make is that if you're hitting a wall and going back to my friend that um, took the bar many times, I don't even know how many times. Um, and was never able to successfully complete that exam or pass it. Um, and I said eventually that she left the law altogether. And I, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that for her, that was the right thing <laughs> for her to do. Because if you're moving in a particular direction and you continuously hit a wall again and again and again, we don't want to get so determined or quote unquote resilient that we're not looking at the big picture and stepping back and saying, hey, wait a minute, maybe this is my personal goal and I've spent, you know, five, six, seven, ten years trying to complete this exam, but maybe I'm not in the right place. And I like to use this phrase that I've heard a million times, probably from Joel Osteen, Osteen, um, but if you've heard it before, it's called, you know, being in your place of blessing. And so I love that term. And what it means is, you know, when you're in that place, things just go your way. You feel um, present. You feel that you have the energy to do what you need to do spiritually. You're where you need to be physically. You feel healthy and strong. And things are moving in a direction, not to say that they're perfect, but if you're trying to do something that continues to um, bring you into a bad result and you feel like you're not accomplishing what you're doing, it's actually a really good idea <laughs> to turn in a different direction. So I don't want to get so committed to being resilient that I miss the big picture, which is, you know, for me, quite frankly, um, all of our attempts to increase the size of our family, um, we're pretty much breaking our hearts with the exception, of course, of our son, Zach, who's an incredible um, star on this planet and we enjoy every every day with him but in general you know when you're doing something and it's not getting anywhere don't flex your resilient muscles if you know it's your 10th time trying it might be a good idea to just take a step back and really question whether that's the direction of your place of blessing or maybe you need to do something different the third point um and this is a good one this is a hopefully powerful lever is to use your frustration as fuel. So if we fail at something or if something is taken from us or we're suffering or we're grieving, we don't want to give up. 
So it's a fine line between using our frustration as fuel so that we can be resilient and we can be super survivors, or we can go down a path and just keep, you know, repeating the same bad decision again and again and again. So if you can establish that you actually are going in toward, you know, you're moving toward your place of blessing, and it's just a matter of, hey, I didn't pass this exam the first time, um, you can use that frustration as fuel to create momentum. And I just love what this friend of mine did when he didn't pass the first time around, was he got really specific about understanding where he fell short. So he did a lot of analysis, and then he took that information and got the help that he needed, which, as I mentioned in the post, had really nothing to do with his study efforts as much as it had to do with how he was sharing the information that he had um, acquired during school and during prep courses and studying for the bar exam. So in summary, um, whether we're calling it resilience or super survivors, we just want to get really good at recovering and getting going again and hopefully taking shorter and shorter time periods to recover when we have something really bad happen. Because if we're going to learn to wear our scars as medals, and if we're going to learn to embrace the wholeness of ourselves and not just the good parts or the fun parts or the sexy parts or the popular parts, if we're going to embrace all the parts, we're going to have to understand that the process of recovering and failing and recovering and failing and recovering, um, whether that's taking an exam or whether that's losing something really critical to your life, like a person, that that is just part of the deal. And I wish that it wasn't. I wish that we didn't have to know pain as well as we know joy. But as I've said many times, I do believe that they're all one, that the pain and the joy is just, it's passion. It's all wrapped up into one. And if we don't care about loving anybody or anything, we don't have to worry about getting hurt. No problem. But if we want to love, we're going to have to you know, understand that we're also going to lose. And when we do, we want to choose life. We want to reach out. We want to get moving and we want to give back. And we know that these things are going to get us closer, whether it's to our place of blessing or just being more of who we are and who we were before we lost. So we don't care what we call it, resilience or super survivors. And again, if you're hitting a wall, um, that's not the time to flex our resilience muscles. That's the time to take a break. <laughs> talk with a trusted advisor, talk with a friend, talk with someone who's known you for a long time and talk it through. It might be time to make a different um, decision and go in a different direction. And the third big idea here is just using your frustration as fuel. It's so powerful. It can be a real game changer. So we don't want to leave that or any of its energy or momentum on the table. So I do thank you sincerely for joining this episode of the Healing Path podcast. I look forward to hearing your own stories of resilience, whether it's um, in the Scars to Metals community, which is scars, the number two, the word metals.com, or if you're sharing something in the comments um, on the blog. I know that there are great inspirational stories out there. So we'd love to hear what those are. And if there's any other levers, if there are any other levers that you pull to be resilient. I know two of my favorites are gratitude and generosity. And I talk a lot about both of those because they really do um, make a difference 
in my own quality of life. And it's a really fun, um, it can be a very fun pursuit to look for specific ways to brighten up other people's lives, particularly when they don't know who you are. That's the, that's the magic of it. So thanks again. And until next time, let's do our best to stay present, to stay grateful, and to stay healing. And let's try to be as resilient as we possibly can as we face life's challenges. And I thank you so sincerely for listening. It's great to be back.